Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Uh, I am excited to welcome Molly Tolsky of Kveller and now Alma? Alma, Alma. yes. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Oh, and you do, sorry, you were telling me you also do, what's it called? The uh, uh, literary magazine? Yes. I'm senior editor for No Tokens, which is a literary magazine. Cool. Um, and very yeah. Cool. So I guess I would just like to jump in and I'm curious about how you got into like the Jewish, <laughs> it's actually interesting. We're kind of almost have the exact same job, right? Like we... We work like, for the Jewish media. The Jewish mainstream media. <laughs> are we main? No, the the non-mainstream media. Are we like the Breitbart? No, of the Jewish world. No. Do you think you're? Do you think? Do you consider yourself mainstream? With that. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, uh, we've already taken a bad turn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I I don't know what I don't, I wouldn't consider what I do totally mainstream. Mm-hmm. No, but um, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like that's a tough, actually a tough even word in the Jewish world. Right. Yeah. What is mainstream? Right. Like that's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess when I think of like Jewish mainstream, I think (laughs) of all like blue and white logos with the word J, like any, any like word with the letter J before it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm I'm not that, but. Well, you got JTA, which you're probably. That's true. But that's, but that's 100 like years thing. old. That's like, that's they, not... they, you know. They started the J thing. They started thing. that trend. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So why don't you, like, oh yeah, so I guess I was curious what got you into this yeah. sort of thing. Um, so I definitely never expected to go into the Jewish ah. media world, but I, um, I moved out to New York to go to graduate school at Sarah Lawrence um, to study writing. Mm. And so do you always wanted to be like a writer? I always wanted to be a writer. Um, yeah, that's always my undergrad degree is in fiction writing. Mm. I have two degrees in fiction writing. Really? I'm I'm really, um, (laughs) it's like amazing. It's amazing that I'm employed right now. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I was part of a Facebook group called, uh, one day I will live in a, in a, uh, was it a, uh, Cardboard box because I have an English uh, <laughs> yeah. major. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Um, living the dream. Um, <laughs> Which I think is actually relatively accurate. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so while, you know, the summer in between my uh, two years at Sarah Lawrence, I wanted to find a job of some sort, to mm. make money of some sort, um, and or at least an internship or something to make myself feel legitimate. Um, and it was actually a roommate of mine was also looking for a job. And I, like I overheard her on her computer be like, Oh man, I wish I was Jewish. And I, my ears <laughs> sort of perked up and she had found this, um, job listing for a paid editorial internship for a, um, up and coming Jewish parenting website. Mm. Um, and, so I, I looked into it and, uh, honestly it didn't really appeal to me like so much. I'm not a parent. I had, you know, never really been super involved with any organizational Jewish 
stuff. Um, <clears throat> but I fit all of the requirements for the job and it was paid, like I said. <laughs> um, so I applied and, um, yeah, I went to interview and I interviewed with Deborah Colbin, who is the founding editor of Feller. And, um, I loved her right off the bat and I felt mm. like we really kind of hit it off and just as, as people and humans and, as writers. And so, um, she offered me the internship and I took it and I sort of just figured it would be this summer, you know, thing where I would get my $10 an hour or however much they were paying me. Um, and well, they paid you. That's uh, they did pay me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but then I also just found myself really enjoying it and it was very cool. So this was, you know, this was before Feller launched. So I, I started mm. when it was literally, it was just, you know, they had this idea for a parenting website. It was started out of mygewishlearning.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they had hired Debbie to to run it. And that's about where I came mm. in. And it was a very small staff working on it. And I really, you know, even though I was just the intern, I felt like I got a really big role in shaping the voice of the site and kind of what it became. And that felt really... Mm really cool. Um, and I started working with amazing writers and I got to actually like hone my editing skills and it was just all around. It was a great opportunity. So when the summer was over, they, you know, they asked if I wanted to stay working for them part-time. I was still in grad school. So for the next year I worked part-time and by the time I graduated, they offered me a full-time job. Um, and so I've been there ever since it's been going on, um, this June will be seven years, wow. <laughs> which is crazy. Um, never, so never expected to stay that long, but, wow. um, that's kind of where it all began. So eventually, you know, I, I kind of stayed at Feller until they kept bumping me up to associate editor and then eventually to editor. So that's how I became hmm. the editor of a Jewish parenting site without, um, <laughs> without being a parent. <laughs> so what, what attracted you to like stay there and, you know, what was it? What was interesting to you in that regard? Um, it was definitely working one on one with the writers. I mm-hmm. felt like we found a really talented group mm. of writers, and also, you know, I, you know, Feller mostly publishes personal essays, and I, I love reading personal essays. I love getting mm. a glimpse into people's lives, and for me, not as a parent, it was all super fascinating to me because mm. it was just all new, and I like to learn about new things. So, you know, I was reading about uh, breastfeeding and about uh, how to decide if you should circumcise your son and reading about uh, postpartum depression and all of these things that I really had no Mm. idea about. And I just found it all very fascinating. Um, And the more that I got to work with the writers too, I really discovered how much I love being an editor to to help people share their stories. Like there's nothing that gives me a greater pleasure than taking a piece that, you know, has a great voice or a great story, but maybe is not, you know, the Mm -hmm. most well-written or, um, and just kind of shaping it into something even, even better so that that person can share their story. It's interesting. So did you, do you feel like you were able to hold on to like that dream of being a writer as well? Like along with being an editor, I know for me that yeah. It can be hard sometimes. You're yeah. kind of balancing all these things. It's definitely yeah. hard. I guess for me, it was basically coming to terms with the fact that I would never be paid mm. to be a fiction writer. Like, that's not a job <laughs> that exists. You know, you don't like go on career.com and find <laughs> right. fiction writer in the listing. So I mm. knew I had to find something else to do to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before my internship at Feller, I did an internship in a publishing house, and I thought maybe I would want to go into publishing, but I actually I didn't enjoy that hmm. as much. Um, and so, yeah, I was really actually grateful to find out how much I love editing because it's still obviously in the same field, and I'm using my writing skills, but it also... Um, it's a nice break from writing sometimes, mm. you know, like I, I couldn't write every day, all day. Mm. And it's, it offers a nice break to look at somebody else's writing and learn from other writers and what they're doing. And, um, editing other people also definitely helps me edit myself. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like an ideal situation. Like if I have to have a job, this is, <laughs> this is the one for me. Interesting. Yeah, that's so interesting. Do you feel like, so what do you feel like, um, you know, I feel like Jewish publications today have like this special power within the Jewish world to really like impact them, you know, like, yeah. because, you know, it's, it's such a kind of a tight knit community, even online, you know, then there's so much getting passed around. And, you know, I'm kind of amazed when I am working on stuff, how much it can, it can intangibly or even tangibly make a difference. Yeah. You know? And I'm just curious, like, I guess what I'm interested in is what you feel like your role is, like, within Kvelar and now, I guess, within your new thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, impacting the Jewish world. Yeah. Um, I think it was also, it came as a surprise to me how much mm. a website could impact people. Right. Um, and our, you know, our mission at 70 Faces is to reach people Online, So it's not like we're trying to get people, you know, mm -hmm. online in order to get them to do something, mm -hmm. you know, in real life. Like it's really like the end game is to engage them online. And mm -hmm. um, it's really been amazing to see like with Feller, you know, the relationships that have been formed among the readers and writers of Feller. Um, mm -hmm. I think especially for anybody, um, new parents, it's a very hard time and you often can feel very isolated and um seeing how people shared very personal stories i mean like i mentioned before like stories about postpartum depression or about you know having a miscarriage and you know being able to kind of open up to this community and share it and then not just have the sharing aspect but then the the other half of it which is the the audience reading it and commenting and sharing their own stories i mean so many times you have one mm. writer write something and then, you know, a hundred more people write back to, to share their own story. And I think it really helps people feel less alone. And um, mm. I think for, I mean, to speak more specifically to the Jewish part, I think a lot of people, um, and myself included, aren't the type type of people to be attracted to Jewish institutions or to mm. even, you know, to say... I want to read a Jewish website. Like I don't, before I had this job, I wouldn't have ever said that. Um, <laughs> Cause it's just, I don't know. I never thought it was like such a big part of my life um, that that's what I would gravitate towards. But that you, you wind up finding people who don't know that they want it, but they mm. want it. They, they mm. find the comfort in, you know, talking with other Jewish people, talking about the ways that their identity fits or doesn't fit within the larger scheme of, the Jewish community or their, you know, where they live. Um, and I don't know, I think it's really kind of allowed people to, to explore their like personal mm. identities and what they care about and, and, um, form this like amazing online community of people who also like, have been there and understand 
Um, it sounds like that kind of happened to you too, right? Like you're saying that you would wouldn't have yeah been so interested, and now you're exactly like deep in it. Yeah, you know? I know it's really <laughs> yeah it's funny because I still you know when I think of myself like I think of myself like as an unaffiliated Jew. Like I don't know, I don't mm-hmm. you know go to synagogue. I don't observe Shabbat. Um, you know, I celebrate the holidays with my family when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then when I think about it, I'm spending, you know, the majority of my, my work week being very affiliated in the Jewish world. And, right. um, but yeah, and the thinking behind, behind Alma, this new site, which is, you know, targeted towards, um, towards young women, like 18 to 35, um, sort of in that like post-school pre-settling down stage. Um, and, and yeah, I... I don't think I would have ever thought, you know, I want to create a website for Jewish women. But mm. when I think about it, it is what I want to read. You know, I want to read um, mm. from other like fellow Jewish women, just not even about Jewish things, but just about life in general. Because I think we all have sort of a shared. Um, what what is that? What, what's shared? I'm I, curious. Like, yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's funny when I was doing initial research for Alma, and I did some mm. focus groups and. Um, you know, I would ask people like, do you seek out other Jewish women or Jewish people in general to be friends with? Um, and most people would say, no, I'm not specifically seeking them out, but when Mm. I find them, I get really excited (laughs) (laughs) and I, I, I instantly feel a comfort there. Mm. And I think there is this comfort about a shared culture, maybe a shared upbringing. And obviously, I mean... Jewish is a really wide term and not all Jews had the same upbringing. But I think for many people, especially in America who grew up kind of in this Jewish secular world, um, there is like an instant sort of bond when you meet a fellow Jewish person and you can just sort of make the same references and they, they kind of get where you're coming from. And I think people just find a comfort in that. So I guess, um, you know, it's, I, I guess I'm like I'm, I'm trying to find out what it what it, you know because it's interesting because for me I have a lot more I guess uh, overt like reasons that I would want to be part of like the Jewish world and Jewish or not the Jewish world I'm sorry but like my Jew like as a Jewish writer like yeah. impacting the Jewish world and all these things like I have a keep on and this and that and I guess it's something I'm I'm actually kind of really fascinated by you know what what it. Like what is what is the comforting is it what what's the actual comfort that they're finding you know is it just the share because there's other people I've like for example I am feel a comfort being around people from Illinois you know because hey. you're from Illinois yeah I wonder if you're comfortable <laughs> <laughs> where where are you from I'm from Buffalo we're Grove, just gonna Illinois I'm from Helen Park oh my gosh. All right. Okay. And you know what? That's like its own niche I mean, of yeah. Jewish yes. like, experience. The North Shore Jewish <laughs> experience. Right. Um, it's true. That's really funny. <laughs> so we'll get into that. That's yeah. like a whole other thing. But that's actually interesting. Actually, you know what? That is a great example, I think, because what I always found fascinating was like my parents are Israeli, so they were always feeling like connected to the Jewish, you know, obviously. And then they wanted to be around Israelis, but also around Jews. And, and so they moved to the North Shore. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, North Shore is... Uh, North suburbs of Chicago, where there's lots of Jews living there, unaffiliated, I guess, as well. And mm-hmm. um, and I guess I always found that fascinating because it, there never seemed to be like an overt reason for them all to be there. You yeah. Know? 
But they, but obviously the Jewish uh, thing was what kept. But, right. So people lived their entire lives like <laughs> around all these Jews, um, and I guess I've always been fascinated by that. You know, like yeah. what is what is that? I don't. You know what I'm saying? I feel right, like I'm being yeah. very vague with no, my question. No, I know. I mean. I remember, like, it really wasn't until I went to college that I mm. officially realized that Jews are a minority because oh, yeah, growing up, in- <laughs> everybody I knew was Jewish. So um, I mean, obviously, there were people I knew who weren't Jewish, but, like, yeah, that was just such a, a large part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are, like, really smart, you know, sociological studies that talk about why people kind of flock together right. in that way. Um, I feel like me personally, I am now, I'm less, in, like, I don't feel like I need, I mean, I live in New York City, so there's a lot of Jews here, but <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like I need to live, like, in a Jewish community, but mm. I do feel like that's kind of what, what I love about um, the internet, you know? Like, I can, right. I do, like, like to connect with other Jewish right. people, and, um, but yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's just, like, ingrained in our DNA or, like, what it is that we just kind of, like, Hmm. crave that. um, Have you felt like you've discovered any of, like, you know, through Cavallo or through, like, these focus groups for your new project? Yeah. Like, because, you know, what, what, for example, do you feel like is holding this new audience together besides the fact, like, in that comfort? What are you giving to them that allows them to feel like a special identity? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I mean, I think like in a lot of the research and the focus groups and everything, the thing that I kept hearing from people, cause you know, I was mostly interviewing people yet yeah, who weren't necessarily very religious. Mm. Um, and they kept talking about the, the culture and the tradition and how like, even though they might not do Jewish things, they still really felt like the culture and identity was important to them. A lot of people, a lot of people mentioned how important food is Isn't in that, that so sense, like that they really feel like they connect to their Jewish heritage through through eating Jewish food. Is that interesting? I yeah, that. I mean, it makes sense. It's delicious and um, it's, and like it's, it's, it's fun. To- it's so funny because I was just thinking, like, even like online media, like. Uh, food is such a huge thing in like yeah. the Jewish media yeah. world, you know. Yeah, I've like want, I've been dying to add something like that to Hevria because like I know people literally crave it. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. And there's like a huge like Jewish foodie blogger world out there, and like, right. I mean, you know, we we run the Nosher at the seventy at seventy oh, right. faces, and uh, today we were at work on a unicorn challah recipe because oh, yeah, unicorn of foods. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of like fun to be had in that world of also like wow. kind of blending it with the, the secular food world. Um, but yeah, like almost everybody said food. A lot of people said humor is like when they think of like what it mm. means to be Jewish, they think of humor as being right. a really important connecting factor. Um, and and then yeah and then traditions I think every you know everybody enjoys celebrating hmm. you know with their families or just getting together for a meal even if it's not the official observance of the holiday. Right. Um, so. And where do you feel like I guess where do you feel like your personal and where even the communal but like creativity um, your life of like as a creative Judaism or my Jewish identity came into play in my writing just hmm. like it just didn't come up like in the stories I was writing. Right. Um, and I've, I've thought about why, and I've thought about maybe trying to add it in, but whenever I did, it would feel very forced. Um, 
I think uh, I think it feels like that. <laughs> yeah, for lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know it's it's funny. I I do feel like as I've worked at Feller and now Alma for so long, it definitely has changed the way I've thought about my own. Mm personal Jewish identity. Um, it, it's just so much more on my mind now because I'm, you know, working with it every day. Whereas before that, you know, I, I really hadn't done anything Jewish since my bat mitzvah, I think besides like, you know, doing holidays with my family, Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved in like anything Jewish in college or anything. Um, and so, you know, but working at Feller, it it made me think about things I just never thought thought about um as far as like what what do I believe and like what do I want and if I were to have kids one day how would I raise them because like I don't you know like Mm. I went to Hebrew school and like I'm glad I had a bat mitzvah but like can I see myself sending my kids to Hebrew school I don't know and I don't know just like kind of opened up all these questions for me and um even just in the past like year or so I feel like I've been kind of more open to exploring my own Jewish identity Mm. I uh I fasted for the first time for oh, Yom yeah? Kippur this past year. Oh, yeah. How'd um, that go? I had an amazing experience. Oh, yeah? It's, it's too long of a story to get into here. <laughs> but I wound up talking to a stranger at um, a park for like three hours and had like a life-changing conversation. Wow. Um, I may have hallucinated him because I was very hungry. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It was a very meaningful experience. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, and I, you know, I, I've been kind of just slowly like dipping my toes more into things just to like try them out and and Mm -hmm. see um and so I wouldn't be surprised if that also starts creeping into my writing more Mm -hmm. just I feel like I mean my writing for me is a you know I write fiction but it's like almost all true (laughs) like it's it's a very like it's a reflection of me and who I am and what I care about and what I think about so the more I think about um yeah like how Judaism plays a role in my life I think the more it will show up in my writing it's so interesting. I mean, I think it's like a really beautiful way of putting it in the sense that like, you know, that our writing so often is just, is generally like, a, is more like a reflection of what we're experiencing, what we're going through, as opposed to like, the, like you said, like this forced injection of, of certain things, you know? Yeah. And I guess I feel like that for me is where I, I, I tend to, like, and I think why a lot of people get turned off by a lot of Jewish creativity, you know, because it feels like that injection yeah. of fakeness. You yeah. Know? I remember, like, the first time I heard about the Sammy Rohr Prize, which is, like, a big Jewish lit right. prize. It comes with, like, a very large mm-hmm. sum of money. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, like, oh, like, I need to write a Jewish novel <laughs> so I can get that prize. And I was like, that's really not a good way right. of, of approaching your art. Right. Um, and, yeah, it's just, I think it has to happen naturally or or not at all yeah you know it, it kind of makes me think about like Kveller and um and Alma and stuff because I feel like what sites like that do be, by having like a very niche uh experience there it's like it is almost a natural expression in a sense as opposed to like a forced one you know where we're like Here's like this site where we're trying to get people to be Jewish. Yeah. More like, no, these are no. people that are engaged like right. that already. And the biggest, you know? the biggest lesson we learned with Feller, and the biggest lesson that I'm taking to Alma is um, this this blending of secular and Jewish content. Mm. I think before Feller, I can't really think of any other Jewish websites 
um, where not every single piece on the site is explicitly about something Jewish. Right. Um, Fowler has a pretty 50-50 balance between just like parenting articles or articles just about being a, a mom or a working mom and then, you know, things about how to celebrate the holidays with your kids or sending them to Jewish day school. And, I, you know, we kind of, we did that because nobody is, or maybe some people are, most people <laughs> are not Jewish 100% of the time. That's all they care about, all they think about. You know, they you have many identities. You are mm-hmm. a woman, an artist, whoever. And um, I think for Alma, that will be really important too because the people that we're trying to reach aren't, you know, they're not going around thinking every day, you know, how is this a Jewish experience? This, you know, like how I'm applying for this job or going on this date. Like not everything has to do with being Jewish. And I want the the site to reflect what people's actual lives are like. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I really identify with that actually because I, I remember like for a while when I was doing Pop Chassid, like my blog at the beginning, I started to feel like this, almost like a claustrophobia because I was like, I had defined it as like this Jewish site. Yeah. Um, and actually it started even more specific where it was like movies and Hasidus and <laughs> that couldn't, you know, I remember yeah. just being like, ah, I can't do this anymore. And I yeah. just started writing personal essays and then, and then, but they were all like very Jewish focused. And then at a certain point I was like, I can't do that anymore. I need, you know, more. And I think, um, and now I've kind of discovered that by finding different, like for me personally, the way I dealt with that was by finding like different outlets or, or personal blogs or different mm-hmm. things to like get, these different parts of myself out there. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think that's like, I think that's a really cool service like to provide to people. Cause I think, and I think that also helps explain kind of, you know, what you were describing as well. Like this, these people who, you know, are, are Jewish and they find like a lot of comfort in that as well. Because I think what that means is like being Jewish is part of their lives, no matter what. Right. So, and it's part of your, your voice. And I think like, even, right. you know, you know, I think a lot of Jews have a, <laughs> a way with words or a way with talking about things that it's, it's like this similar experience. So even if you're reading an article about, you know, bathing suit shopping, but it's written by a Jewish woman, like there, there will be like an essence there. It's kind of just like infused in the voice. Right. Um, so, so yeah, even, even bathing suits can be Jewish basically <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. So what are you, are you, uh, what are you discovering now with your Alma? Like what's your, experience been like so far um it's to start something new yeah it's 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 been fun and also really scary I was really surprised I mean I you know I had been planning this and working on this for like a year and a half before we finally kind of got the the go-ahead and the funding to do it um and I really think like you know we we found a, a replacement for me to edit Feller and so, um, Sarah Seltzer, who's, who's great. And, um, so she came on and the first week or so, or maybe even the first month or so, I felt extremely lost and mm. like kind of depressed and like not sure why I felt depressed. Cause this was like, this is finally happening. Like, this is what I've been working for. This is what I've wanted, you know, to do. And now it's here and I'm like kind of feeling really uneasy about it. Mm. And I was, you know trying to think about why I was feeling that way and talking to my therapist about why I was feeling that way. (laughs) And, um, you know, I mean, I think it makes sense. I went from 
working on something for many years, knowing kind of exactly what I was doing at a certain point, going in every day, knowing what my schedule would be like, and feeling really confident that I was doing a good job. Hmm. And to then the next day going in with kind of a completely open Mm -hmm. schedule and a clear um, plate and just like, okay, now start a new website. Like that's, (laughs) there's a lot to do. And it was just all felt very overwhelming. And I, you know, I, I like to feel in control. I like to feel like I'm good at what I'm doing. And so I think just the, the fear of starting something new, of not knowing if it would succeed, if it, you know, how it would be received really kind of was getting at me for a while. Mm. Um, now I'm in a much better place. Um, Mm. I kind of, you know, started making a lot of lists, which helped just to like things like concrete things to do, mm. things I could check off. Um, and, you know, then we launched on social media. So I started doing Instagram for Alma, which is really fun. Like right. I look for, you know, memes and GIFs or GIFs, however you want to call it. Um, oh, I've never heard someone actually say GIF. Um, apparently so cool. the inventor of the word right. claims it's GIF. So Wait, I that- try to honor that, but I feel <laughs> yeah. really dumb saying it. <laughs> So yeah. then I always wind up saying, or GIF. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you. GIF or GIF. Um, but, yeah, so now it, it feels more fun. I'm, like, actually right. building an audience, like, finding the people who I want, you know, want to be in this community, mm-hmm. um, sharing silly, silly things on on the internet. So It's so interesting. I feel like you touch on something that's, like, very, like, I've noticed is very common among people that, like, are starting a new project or thinking about starting a new project is that, like, this period before we actually do it, you know, is like, it can be very nerve wracking and very difficult. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, I feel like you kind of, I don't know if purposefully or whatever, like described like the solution to it, which is to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's when I've always felt better. Like I know I've spent, and, and the thing is like, I've noticed sometimes people spend like so long planning something new to the point where it's like they're polishing and they're polishing and planning and whatever. And then, you know, they're just kind of living in that world that's, like, so uncomfortable. And I, ironically, I think they don't jump into it because they feel that Yeah, and I think then you, know? you wind up putting so much pressure on yourself and on your project that it has to be perfect and that right. you can't, you know. And so if you have put in all of this effort and then you finally go live and it doesn't go perfectly, you're, like, devastated. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, I think um, thinking about this period also as, like, a... A testing sort of like experimental phase to like see what works has really helped me because, you cool. know, I've done a lot of research and I have, you know, pretty clear ideas about what I think what will work, but you don't really know until you do it. So, yeah. um, you know, testing out different kinds of articles, different topics, different um, kinds of content just to see how people respond and kind of, um, you know... I definitely I'm like a perfectionist and sort of have like a big fear of failure. So the idea of like testing something out and seeing if it works can be very scary. But it's also like, mm. what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work. You try something else. Right. Um, Especially with digital. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. Once I And then once I started doing it, like you said, then it just feels so much better. Right. And I feel like I'm actually being productive. And, um, yeah, it's it's less scary once it's more tangible so yeah it's so funny I remember like I had this period over the last like summer because I wasn't wasn't writing as much for some reason I think I was like busy with some stuff and um I remember being like I want I got it was I kept trying to understand like, why do I feel so unhappy about like my writing I was feeling like just not satisfied and then oh it was because I was doing stand-up so I was like writing a lot of comedy during mm-hmm. that time so I was writing a lot less of my blog posts um 
And I, so I was still writing every day and I didn't, I was trying to understand what was going on because I thought that, and what I, and I, what I realized was um, at a certain point I was like, okay, I need to spend different time doing comedy writing so I can focus on my blog. And the moment that I did that, I instantly felt better about yeah. writing. Yeah. Because you know, I was just doing it regularly. Like, right. Yeah. There's just something really powerful about that, you know? <laughs> it just reminded me, I once, um, like several years ago, I was also, I was feeling, I was, I think I had maybe just graduated mm-hmm. from Sarah Lawrence and there's sort of this like post MFA, like <laughs> haze of like, I don't know, like you don't feel productive anymore and you don't really know what you're doing with your life and there's nobody giving right. you deadlines or assignments and I just felt like I was totally locked. I like didn't, it wasn't that I didn't have time to write, it was that I did not know what to write, um, <laughs> just completely stumped and um I was living with an ex-boyfriend at the time and I remember one night I was just in a really bad mood and just really angry about how stuck I was and I was like you know what I'm gonna write I'm gonna try to write the worst story I possibly can right now (laughs) um just for fun and I started like banging out this story called kitty cat prose um about like a, a cat who sold mangoes like on the sidewalk and it was just terrible I mean I think like (laughs) <laughs> the first word was like meow or something like, and like the cat had dialogue and it was all just like meow. Um, I just like tried to make it as like bad <laughs> as I could. And it was so much fun to wow. write and like felt so freeing because I wasn't trying to make it good that like it actually came out like not terrible. <laughs> like right. it was a ridiculous concept and a stupid story. Um, but it really, it really freed up my my mind to write I feel like we like it's such a mental game creativity Mm -hmm. and you have to like trick yourself into doing it sometimes (laughs) you know what's crazy I um so I I started doing these workshops recently I got Lee Mood I did them and it was this idea was like you need to confront your creativity to uh, your your fear to access your creativity yeah and so the first exercise I do with people is I have them try to write something really bad. Yeah, and, that's um, great. <laughs> so your thing like totally reminded me of that. And the reason I do that is because um, I am like this huge fan of Brenda Uland, uh, who I think I've already mentioned at least once on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm like obsessed. And she, it's this book, she's like this beatnik from the 30s and she was writing so much about like how how much creativity is like part of something we have to kind of emotionally grapple with. In yeah. sense. And um, so she says, like, try writing something bad. Like, it'll be impossible for it to actually be bad. And, like, yeah. like people that are afraid of their writing being crappy, it's like, that's probably one of the biggest things that holds people back. Yeah. And so it's so cool that you kind of did yeah. that naturally. Yeah, I just, yeah, I did it out of frustration. <laughs> it, it worked. That's so cool. You probably felt great after you did that, I, I would did. imagine. You know what? I actually... I decided to like try to get it published because why not? <laughs> yes. But I didn't want to put my name on it because like, it was really bad. So I made up a pen name and I got it published online. Wow. If you Google That's... kitty cat pros. Oh my gosh. I really? think it was um, under Lucky Smith is the name. I I have not told many people this, so I feel like I'm really going public oh, with, the, with the big secret here. We're getting deep. Yeah. This is... <laughs> wow. That is so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's like the... <laughs> I feel like every writer should hear that story. Like you wrote, try you were frustrated, wrote something bad, yeah. or you tried to write something bad, right. and it got published. And it got published yeah, it's so great. You know what's so funny? Because it like reminds me of going to writers' workshops. Like I went, I remember one in particular, like um, where you know we'd go to like, you know, like these conferences, like in the in the summer. You know, they have all these like writing conferences. So yeah, so I went to one, um, and or I went to I've gone to a few, but I remember one in particular where, um. They had like one of those panels where they have like published writers yeah. speaking, and at the time, I remember oh, published writers. Like, <laughs> um, and um, I remember, 
you know, that kind of had like this period of Q and A and almost everyone was like asking all these questions, like, how do I get published? And I always, like, I remember even then intuitively feeling like this, like, like it feels like going backwards, you know, yeah, like absolutely. How about how to write something good right. like, or how to write something. And, um, yeah, I always feel like people that have that focus tend to be unhappy with their writing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I definitely, you know, I think about getting published a lot and I think <laughs> any writer does and it's hard to just completely ignore that side of things. But I do find, you know, like I'm kind of at the stage where many of my friends are having great success with writing, mm. uh, selling books, publishing books. Um, and, you know, it's natural to like mm. feel that pang of jealousy. But then whenever I do, I remind myself like, okay, um, you haven't written a book, so it's impossible <laughs> for you to publish one. So you can't be jealous of something that you haven't done. So um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, just like kind of putting it back into perspective of like, what is your focus right now? Like my focus right now is is writing something really good. And that's like what I need to keep reminding myself because, yeah, you kind of yeah. have to take it one step at a time. And right. you can't publish something before it's written. Yeah, I think that's interesting. There's definitely like a tension because I think every right, every artist wants their stuff to succeed, right? They want yeah. it to take off and whatever. I think even more than like, succeed, it's like, I mean, for me, I've always felt like writing is a two-way street. I would, I don't mm. write just for writing's sake. I would never right. want to just write for my own personal, like I, I'm writing for the other side of it, for somebody to read it and to connect with it. So right. I, I do think it like makes sense that right. writers are eager to like reach that place where you're getting, you know, people reading your work and you're seeing how they're engaging with it. Right. That's really interesting. But then you also have to balance that with like, when you're actually writing, I feel like, or even trying to get yourself to write, if you're thinking about, like, if you have those people in your head, yeah. you yeah. know, it's this interesting dichotomy. Yeah. I took, um, you know, I went to Columbia College Chicago for undergrad, and they have a really, um, they have a fiction writing department, and it's mm. very unique in the way they teach writing. It's not, like, standard workshop um, style classes. But they do this thing where they often have you um, write in class, like start a draft in class, and at the top of the page, address it to one person you know, like in your life, who you, you feel oh, comfortable wow. sharing anything with and who you feel comfortable telling anything to. And you kind of write it as like a letter to them. And it's a way of kind of like not thinking about the audience at large, like all the people that are going to be reading it, but remembering that there is somebody on the other end mm -hmm. and that you do need to be communicating in a way that can reach somebody else. Right. And I always, I always liked that way of thinking about it. I love that. That's yeah. so cool. You know, and it actually reminds me of how like, you know, letter writing used to be like this art form, you yeah. know, like, and we still read like all these letters that famous people or um, like um, intellectual people or whatever sent to each other. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes they can be even more powerful than the writing they they did. Yeah, know? absolutely. It's so interesting because actually, I that's how I got became fascinated with Van Gogh because he has like these. You would never, th I, yeah. I, you know, you tend to like to associate painters with just their what they did and whatever. Right. So, but like to hear that this whole voice behind it and how he got there and he was doing it. And actually, it reminded me of like how his so much of what he did, he was doing it because he wanted to share it something beautiful with either the world or like his brother in particular, yeah. you know, that's really nice. I'll have to read his letters. You should. They're yeah. really beautiful. I found out about it through Brenda Uland. This well, is like a big theme of my life. Yeah. <laughs> she should sponsor this. Podcast. She should. If she was alive, she would. Oh um, uh, yeah. That, that would help. <laughs> um, very cool. Um, 
trying to think. I had something else I was going to ask you about this. Um, so, oh yeah, so are you working on a on a book now, or like on? I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great answer. <laughs> um, so I, I write short stories. So oh. and I've been writing short stories for oh, okay. a long, long time. And so I, I think for the first time, really, I do feel like I am working on a short story collection. Awesome. I'm working on stories that sort of tie in thematically, that feel like they fit kind of together in a larger a larger work. So yeah, I guess I guess I am. Um but <laughs> awesome. yeah. It always feels weird to say. Yeah. Do you like so you're you're you have you have this collection that you're building mm-hmm. and you're hoping that it'll be turned into a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I, I don't you know it's um it's very hard to publish short story collections yeah. these days. So um, wouldn't doesn't the internet like provide some like 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 more of an or like the Kindle and all these? I don't. I'm not like totally familiar. Yeah, with all this stuff, I mean, so. there's definitely tons of opportunity to publish short stories individually. Mm-hmm. There's lots of magazines mm-hmm. online and offline, um, and I'm sure. I mean, you can self publish or you know do do that whole thing. But to kind of go through the more standard publication mm-hmm. channels, um, they're just hard to to sell. And editors are always looking for for novels. So I'm always kind of in the back of my mind thinking about what my uh, my novel could be, but I, I haven't. Do... I would love to write a novel. I just I haven't stumbled upon that novel idea yet. Um, mm. But in the meantime, I I am happily working away at these stories. And um, that's so cool. Do you feel yeah. like that your editing work like affects your writing? Um, I mean, it does in that. I don't have a lot of time to work on my writing. <laughs> okay. That's not where um, I was going with but that yeah. explains it. Yeah, that's cool. um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess, the more practical negative um, answer to that question. No, but that's probably... Um, but it is true. I mean, you know, not only... I mean, not only is it the lack of time, but the lack of time that I feel like mm. writing, because I've been reading and writing all day, and I come home, and I just want to sit on my couch um, right. and, like watch 11 episodes of broad city so um <laughs> so yeah i've been i i joined a, a writing space in brooklyn and i'm trying to go in the mornings before work because mm. my brain is still fresh and um but but That's yeah cool. but i i guess maybe what you were going for with that question um but it doesn't matter what i was going for <laughs> yeah is yeah i definitely think i mean i think in general uh, yeah my editing helps helps my writing. You just, it's so, I mean, it's so much easier to see mistakes in other people's writing and (laughs) are not even mistakes, but you know, patterns and, um, things that could be improved or things that are great. And I think the more I edit, the more I am able to like take that back to my, to my own writing. I hear that. I mean, that's interesting because for me, I've always, I have this like weird, thing with writing versus editing like I I don't I've, I've started to edit my pieces more I used to just put them up like yeah. you know and um I think part of it was like I, I always had this I think illogical fear that like the purity of what I had written or the whatever and like and I was like how can you really know if something's better or worse right. or this and that but then like the more I did editing the more I was like oh you couldn't tell yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think it's a lot more it's it's easier to objectively view how editing can help other people's work and then right because um, it's interesting writing's so nebulous in a sense you know what I'm saying like where it's like harder you know like for example like ballet or something there are like rules right. to like success like there are like these things that 
you have to practice over and over and over again and then you know you've like mastered it you yeah know? i feel like it's hard it's a very or at least it feels subjective to be like someone has mastered writing yeah you know? i think it's really hard i mean i definitely think there are like lessons of craft and you know things that writers can and should study over and over again and mm. practice over and over again but you're right there's always going to be that sort of just like um je ne sais quoi you know just like it, it's either gonna work or it doesn't and there yeah there aren't really any hard and fast rules to what makes a good piece of writing good right what have you found that like as you know these seven years at valor like what you felt was like the writers that you felt would make the most impact or would you know that you felt were like powerful writers was there anything that you felt you saw in people like that would help you know ahead of time help me know like if they are like if something you like certain writers you felt like would do better pieces of writing would do better quote unquote or would succeed like what do you feel like were things that were like signals of that yeah you know? um honesty is probably the number one wow. thing um you don't really need to have any writing background at all to write a really good personal essay if it's super honest. I think that's what people crave and that's what really allows people to connect with your writing. And so if somebody, you know, is willing to put themselves out there, um, I feel like I could, you know, I, I would always work with them to maybe, you know, make the writing a little bit more clear or elegant, but but yeah, I think if somebody was is willing to be really honest, I always knew that it would it would do well. That's so cool. I love that idea. Yeah. Just, um... And I think also staying true to your own voice. I think a right. lot of people um, try to sound different than who they are in writing, and you can always tell. It always feels like right. a put on, and it's just not necessary. People just you know. You just want to hear people's real voices. Right. I mean, I think that's really interesting because it kind of gets to that question we we're talking about of like, you know, people that want to be published and all these things. And I think to me, if I've, what I find interesting is by like what you're describing, like honesty and, and writing like yourself. These are very like internal experiences, you know, like where we have to kind of first, the only way you can be honest with others is if you're honest with yourself. Right. right? Like and the only way that you can be true to yourself in your writing is if you're true to yourself at least in those moments. Of yeah. Writing, right? Yeah. I've always like, felt like I am the most honest to the page, like right. more than any other you know person in my life. Like <laughs> I feel like when it's just me writing, I, I let myself be completely honest. Um, and wow. it's, it can be really scary. Um, but <laughs> once you just kind of get it out, it's out there and then you can worry about the consequences later. But, right. um, totally. But yeah. I'm amazed at some of the stuff I've shared you know, with people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. But then you do, I like, and it feels so good, right? right totally. Like it feels really good. It's like super scary at first, and then you start to get people's responses. And right. I mean, for me, like my, I I feel like since you know since I was a very little kid, like what made me want to be a writer was like that feeling of like connecting with other humans and like learning that you are not a freak for feeling these things right. or thinking these things, and that other people are also thinking these things, and so. Yeah, I love like sharing a super honest piece of writing and then getting the feedback like, oh my God, like I felt the exact same way. Like I didn't know. Like that is the best to me. I always feel like that's the biggest gift any writer can give anyone. Is yeah. To, not, to help them feel not alone. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's like Agreed. so powerful. That's so cool. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because 
I, I think that's like one of the gifts of being a, uh, an artist and especially a writer is like you have this personal experience and then all of a sudden you can discover instantly like there are all these other people that you know not only had that experience they completely connect with how you related to yeah. it yeah like you feel so much less alone yeah you know? yeah it's really it's magical yeah that's so cool and I guess that's what you're I mean it's about writing but also like with with Alma, with Kveller, with like these online communities that yeah. are built based on, on the like back of that sort yeah. of creativity. Absolutely. Yeah. I so. mean, they're based on, yeah, hoping to help people feel, feel less alone. Um, you know, for Alma, like for people like me sort of in this stage of life where you're kind of like figuring out how to be an adult and mm. like, you know, like I'm an adult, I have a job, I <laughs> have a 401k, I guess somewhere. I don't know really how that works. Um, but I don't always feel <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, and it really helps to connect with other people who also feel like they don't know what they're doing so that you like don't feel like a failure all the time. Um, and wow. that you can actually learn off of each other and help each other. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's a beautiful like experience to have as a writer because it's so lonely a lot of times. Yeah, you know? like yeah. Um, so that's really beautiful. Um, sh- where where can people find all your cool stuff that you're working on? Um, well, okay, <laughs> so um, Alma currently is on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, hey Alma is the Instagram. Hey underscore Alma, actually, I believe, is the Instagram. Um, and uh, hopefully a, a website very soon at heyalma.com. Awesome. Um, and then um, I just built a personal website last week. I awesome. went home one day and got, <laughs> got very motivated, and I just, like, made a website. So you can find um, my I writing. I noticed, like, there was, like, how the story came out, like, yeah. Front, you're like, I just got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so mollytolsky.com. Um, Logical. You can, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can find some of my fiction and some nonfiction and some info also about No Tokens, the literary journal, um, which you can also find online at notokensjournal.com. And I think that's all of my things, <laughs> right? And kfeller.com is where you can find Kfeller. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah cool yeah so good to have you this was great this was super fun yeah always happy to talk about writing and fear and failure (laughs) (laughs) awesome should do it again sometime yeah (laughs) thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to Hivria Cast I'm Aladna Harai if you'd like to hear more and read more of our work You can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash hevriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City. And the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.